0: Down and down, da ba da, down ba down da ba da, da ba da, and down, da, da down, da, da ba down, da ba da, da ba da, down, down and
1: down, down.
0: This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Oro Recovery. They're located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu, in Silver Lake, and somewhere in Western Los Angeles. Aura was created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Jarrett, and Bob. Their mission is to create a facility where alcoholics and addicts are treated with connection and compassion rather than control. They have decades and decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness, and they make sure your detox is as comfortable as possible, which is critical kicking heroin or crack or benzos or whatever. They have amenities you wouldn't believe, sound bath meditation, equine therapy, fuck in the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. And most importantly, everyone that I know that's gone to Oro has only said amazing things about it. So if you're fucked and you're looking for somewhere to go get better, please consider going to Oro. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our very good friends at Sober Buddy, an incredible app that is incredibly available and useful to you if you need some help in getting or staying sober. Sober Buddy is the little blue fluffy guy you may have seen in sober memes on Instagram or Facebook. I love the Sober Buddy app. I really do. Because it not only gives you challenges that help you get sober, it helps you think differently about your life. It has a sober tracker down to the second, daily check-ins that give you advice based on your mood, cute motivational memes, and helpful tips too. Over 60,000 people have already used Sober Buddy to help them get sober, and they have been featured in over 70 news stories, and I know there's a bunch of folks in Dopey Nation that love Sober Buddy. I've even started using it, and I'm really enjoying it. The Sober Buddy app is available in both iTunes and Google Play stores, or you can check out their website at YourSoberBuddy.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Evolution Accounting and Consulting. They are a full-service accounting firm that can help you with your taxes, your bookkeeping, your payroll, and almost any other business need you may have. Thanks to technology, they work with people from all over the country and pride themselves on building exceptionally strong relationships with their clients. They say that their passion allows you to pursue yours because they understand the stress caused by worrying about taxes and accounting issues. When you allow them to take this off your plate, you'll be freed up to focus on what you love to do. And perhaps more importantly than all of that stuff, the firm is run by a fucking crackhead. Fortunately, he's been in recovery for years now and knows the struggle as well as the success. Use promo code DOPEY when you connect with them at www.evolution-accounting.com to receive special discounts. All right, new sponsor. This episode of DOPEY is brought to you by our new friends, Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because my cholesterol is high and I'm worried about my health, and uh, I needed a supplement that actually tasted great, and I heard so much about it from like super health places, I wanted to see what it was about. It is an amazing blend, this AG1, it's 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, and it actually tastes good, It actually makes my stomach feel good. It comes in the slickest packaging. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Everybody has been on top of me to be taking a multivitamin. And it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And this one, you can feel the high-qualityness. And I know I sound like I'm really schmaltzing it up. But I really like it. I've been taking it every day for like three weeks. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Uh, It has 7,000 five-star reviews, and Tim Ferriss can't shut up about how great it is. To make it easy... Athletic Greens also gives you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs, which I didn't realize were travel packs, and I just used them as scoops. But you get five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dopey. Again, athleticgreens.com slash dopey to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I actually really like it. And I really, really do recommend it. Before we get to the show, I wanna tell you guys also about the miracle that is Dopey Zoom. Are you in the Dopey Nation? Do you wanna connect with people in the Dopey Nation? Go to Dopey Zoom. Are you looking for a better recovery routine? Are you searching for a new sangha? Are you lost in the doposphere looking to benefit from some connection? Dopey Zoom is there. There's over 25 meetings a week. Led by dopes like you. There's AA, NA, A, Cooking, Dharma, whatever. They do it all. Check it out at 804 300 586. The password is Toodles. It's really amazing. It's free. Go see the dopes. Go to Dopey Zoom. Also, buy Dopey Gear at dopeypodcast.com. We're in a partnership with a beautiful company out of Cincinnati, Ohio called SRO Prince. And uh, we've got some really high-quality shit. We've got the new green zip-up Mantis hoodie. There's new shit coming out. And the coolest of the cool Dopey King Baby shit. Please check it out. And we have amazing candles from North Ave Candles. You go to northavcandlescom slash collection slash Dopey. And the shit is super high-quality and smells great. But that's enough with the ads. We've got an amazing high-quality show. Here's the fucking show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction and dumb shit. My name is Dave and we are in Manhattan at my dad's kitchen table and I'm joined by the lovely and talented Aaron Carr, the author of Strung Out, the Owner of an unsolicited advice columnist. A it, it, it's f- not
2: unsolicited. It's unlicensed. <laughs> it's
0: unsolicited and unlicensed. It is solicited. Right, a solicited yet <laughs> unlicensed advice column and a former elite equestrian. What else can we add to the mix? Mother. Mother.
2: Wife. Yes, wife, friend. Daughter, converted Jew. Converted Jew. What
0: else?
2: Uh... I don't know. She's
0: working on another book, and she's back on the show. (laughs) How are you feeling?
2: I'm good. I'm happy it's spring. Things are blooming. White blossoms on all the trees on my block. Spring is incredible. Spring is incredible, except that my brain loves spring, but my body doesn't because my allergies are driving me insane.
0: How bad is it?
2: It's bad. I have, like, a constant headache.
0: Still? Yeah. See, my allergies were fucking off the charts over the weekend, Mm -hmm. like, off, like, crazy like I couldn't even open my eyes kind of yeah. thing but I haven't had it since that day since Saturday or no something.
2: I mean mine right now it's just it's like a sinusy so I just have like constant I mean you can't see me right now but I'm showing Dave in between my eyes it's just like this constant like knife in between my eyes
0: the greatest thing about spring in my opinion mm-hmm. the worse the winter the more glorious the spring yes and this winter was pretty rough I mean, you don't think so
2: it was a really mild winter no it, it was cold
0: it was it wasn't was
2: that cold it was cold and we, we had no snow
0: we had a little snow in long island we had it snow was, we got hit oh, by like fucking five feet that's out right there. you had that one
2: bad storm yeah and but that, i mean it's not like a polar vortex year this really wasn't that bad.
0: no but it got cold even in late march all right which makes the spring more glorious yeah we've had years yes. lately where there's no snow we had like four feet of snow yeah Like we had a lot of snow. I mean,
2: it's one of my favorite things. Like, so you know, I grew up in L.A., but my dad moved here when I was a kid, so I was back and forth. And people always ask me,
0: whatever I say is bad. You always say it's not that bad. (laughs) I
2: do. Yeah,
0: the (laughs) homeless in Washington Square Park. These junkies, they're crazy. (laughs) They're not that bad. Why? Why? Why am I such? Why is everything less bad for you than for me?
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know. if I mean, I don't think my husband would agree with you. He thinks I'm a big complainer. But I like, here's the thing is that like, what's amazing to me, like people are always like, Oh, do you miss LA? Don't you miss the weather? And like, no, it was like the same long fucking day that was so depressing. And the thing here is that even though you have like months of shitty weather, you know, it's going to end. And when like, when we get that first, like, like, it's still a little chilly. When it gets a little warmer, everything's in bloom. It's like spring fever. Like if I was a single person, I would be like, okay, I'm ready to go on like a thousand dates. Like you really feel like you want to go out and like be like, woohoo.
0: It's like that. And it's yeah. all, It's also just the glory of uh, of, of four seasons. I always yeah. think there's five it's, seasons, but there's only four.
2: There's only four. Although that people make jokes that like there's like spring, like fake spring and then like second winter and then spring
0: right and then and the same <laughs> with the summer but right. like i fucking love every season Me spring too. spring is like i think fall is my favorite because i'm a depressing person i
2: love fall because it's like halloween my birthday spooky
0: but it's also the end <laughs> the end of the good time yeah. like, like the warm starts to turn to cold, and you're kind of reminiscing about how good yeah. it was, and now we're getting serious. Like I like that feeling. The spring I like too, because it's like it was bad, and now it's good. Yeah. And and all of a sudden you can enjoy taking your jacket off. Like mm-hmm. I I love taking. I I I come to work with lots of layers. So like when it gets to this weather, I take my jacket off and I put it in my backpack. Yeah. And then I walk back. And that's a good time.
2: It's a really good time. And I like summer. I like this hot. I love even like hot, sticky August because it's again, like it feels like it's like a crazy energy. You go out at like midnight and it could still be like almost 90 degrees, but there's no sun and everyone's out and everybody feels a little crazy. And I like that energy.
0: I got sober. um, I got sober at the end of the summer the last time Mm -hmm. or in the middle of August.
2: What's your sobriety date?
0: August I mean, I don't even know the real date. I've right. claimed August thirteenth. Right. Um, but when I met Chris, I got out of Mountainside on June first, mm-hmm. right? And I went That's into Mountainside, birthday, which right? is my birthday, yeah. yeah. I went into Mountainside on May third mm-hmm. and it was cold still. Yeah. And I went in there with uh one of those thermal hoodies. Mm-hmm. It was a green thermal hoodie that I loved. Yeah. Um it had a stain on it, but it was like my favorite fucking hoodie. And when I got there, I had to wear it. And when I left, it was warm and it was really uncomfortable because I went into that, that mountainside that time, um, coming off of heroin, like hard, hardcore heroin use and hardcore benzo use. And there's something about being newly sober. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sucks to be newly sober in every season. Yes. But in that, in June, it was like everything. It's like all this glorious weather was flouting my mm-hmm, sobriety. Mm-hmm. You
2: know what I mean? Like it's so uncomfortable. I guess, but I, it's you uncomfortable. And so- you could find a way to be uncomfortable in any season. Yeah, newly but sober. But I know what you mean. Like when it's hot out and you're dope sick, which was a lot for me because I was in California. Which is
0: horrible. <laughs> but it's 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 worse Again, I I put my money on fall, Mm -hmm. like getting sick in fall. It's like, well, everything is kind of dying and things are coming (laughs) off the trees anyway. And like people have to go inside and you can be cold. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like to be cold in your bones and late spring or summer yeah, yeah. it's it's in LA I, I mean I was sick oh, in LA the awful. whole time and it never stopped so awful it's like when's the fall gonna come no it never fall. it never comes there's like a
2: week where you're like oh this feels like that crisp fall um, air and then nope now it's gonna be hot
0: <laughs> it's really horrible um and big big news and and I know a lot of the animal loving members of the dopey nation <laughs> is gonna be aghast with this news but somehow I let Linda uh convince me that we should foster a dog
2: oh you're oh, you're fostering so you might keep the dog
0: we got a dog we might keep the dog okay my great hope with the dog is that the dog would kill the cat i knew you
2: were gonna say that and
0: then <laughs> we'd have to get rid of the dog because it killed the cat
2: then you won't have any pets
0: right right maybe that i mean i wanted the dog to come into our house and go on a killing <laughs> spree kill the guinea pigs Kill the oh, cat.
2: You have, oh, guinea pigs. Kill
0: oh. the guinea pigs, kill the cat. And then we have to get rid of this insane dog. Right. But that hasn't been the case.
2: What's the dog's name?
0: The dog's name is Winnie. And oh, that's she's cute. been uh the cat has been marginalized. That's that's a big plus of the dog. <laughs> the cat's like not doesn't want to sit with me. Right. The cat hasn't sprayed anything since the dog's oh. been there. But um the dog requires really early rising.
2: Yes. Early it's rising, a young dog.
0: It's an 8-month-old so, Vizsla right. mix. They're
2: very Oh, they're cute.
0: She's cute. I like the dog. Um I'm in a big fight with Linda right now though. Like a major fight. I about, shouldn't even talk about t- the dog. I, I shouldn't even talk about it. All right. I'm going to. All right. Um basically I said if we get the dog, I can't really be responsible for right. the dog. I'm responsible for too much. Mm-hmm. I can't be responsible for the dog. And she said, okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. But what I didn't realize is because I'm up first in the morning.
2: You're on early morning duty.
0: I'm responsible for the that that moment. Right. And it, like today, if I come to Manhattan, I tend to wake up at 546. Mm-hmm. That's my alarm. <laughs> and then I do my, my prayers. Uh-huh. I, I pray. This morning I prayed that Linda gets all the love and compassion that God so freely gives me. <laughs> uh, and I do my exercises uh-huh. and and then I sometimes
2: exercise? Yeah, I do.
0: I do fucking 200 push-ups and 200 You really? can't tell? <laughs> you don't see it on me? I uh, no every idea. morning I do 200 push-ups and 200 sit-ups. I pray and often I meditate.
2: Wow. I am I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Oh, just like can I take a little quick side note? My husband has started working out with a trainer. Never exercised before. He's like always been like thin, whatever, but like now he wants to he's like, Oh, I'm getting a dad bot. Now he won't shut the fuck up about exercise. It's driving me crazy. What's he doing? He goes and works out with a trainer at like, it's like with these like big guys that like, he's not trying to become like swole, but like he's going to get, you know, he comes back and tells me about like whatever it is he did and then extols the virtues of it. And like, if he, he wants to like go more frequently and if like they cancel one for some reason, he's very upset. And it's, he talks about it so fucking much.
0: Is it, is he showing results?
2: I mean, I guess, I haven't really looked. See. (laughs) I mean, probably, but like, I don't really, I didn't, it's not like he was out of shape. Do you know what I mean? So it's like harder to tell.
0: Well, last week, Jeremy Jackson of Mm. Baywatch, who's very ripped up. Mm -hmm. He's like a monster of, of musculature. I think we're going to put the Dopey Fitness Challenge back into effect. Oh, God. Are you prepared? All right. You're prepared? Sure. So I think Jeremy Jackson's going to be somehow uh, facilitating the Dopey what if Fitness we, Challenge. What
2: if we get really fit?
0: That's the idea. <laughs> we could get fit. I'm ready to go fucking full. Like, I know I'm a big fad dieter and stuff, <laughs> but I'm ready to go full plant-based. I'm ready. Oh, that's
2: amazing. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: just to uh, say that is amazing?
2: I eat mostly plant-based. I mean, I don't, like... It's rare that I eat meat.
0: I'm ready to try, but I've failed. Mm -hmm. And last night, like with the dog and the stress, I had ice cream. I even got hot fudge. I never will pay for hot fudge on ice cream. And last night I broke down at Carvel.
2: Well, see, I should say I eat plant-based, but I do eat dairy.
0: I tried to get the plant-based Ben and Jerry's and it's fucking garbage.
2: There's not... The best, if for anyone who can't eat dairy, like when I first had Franklin, he had an allergy to dairy and I was breastfeeding. He outgrew his allergy, but... um. I found this like it's called. Uh, I think it's called so good. Is that what it's called? I'll look it up.
0: And that's a good dairy-free. It's, free it, ice it's cream? like a
2: cashew milk one. The Snickerdoodle. The Snickerdoodle. It sounds cashew like terrible. It sounds. But it's Seth so claims like, he's like it's still not like he's. And then that like Snickerdoodle is no whatever, good. Van Luen. Yes. They do a good vegan ice cream.
0: All right. Well, that's something to look into. But anyway, me yeah. and Linda got into this right. horrible fight because. And she's going to she doesn't listen, but she'll be pissed if she hears this because (laughs) because basically the deal is I'm like, what the fuck? If I'm commuting to Manhattan, Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, listen, you take the dog Mm -hmm. three mornings of the week Mm -hmm. and I'll do four. And she's like. She's not going. She was like, okay, I'll wake up at 6 But the dog is up earlier than that.
2: And so if you're up. Yeah. You, but is it really that big of a deal if you're already up to do the yes, one... Yes, because I'm like,
0: I have to get up earlier because I'm so anxious that I'm going to miss the train. Oh, like the dog right. has to fucking shit in the yard or whatever, blah, blah, blah. At least
2: you have a yard. But I have to
0: <laughs> watch her. Right. I have to watch her in the yard. So what I've decided. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't call my sponsor, but I know what my sponsor would say. Mm-hmm. He would say, keep your fucking mouth shut. He would say, he's like, you know how Linda is. Mm-hmm. You need to accept that you have to get up early and take the fucking dog.
2: I think you just get up 10, 15 minutes earlier. Right. Because you're already up anyway. Right. And Linda's gotta deal with the kids when she gets up. Don't make her get up and do it. I gotta I'm gonna si- side with her on this. I think you should just
0: Everybody's siding with Linda. I think that you should except just except my deal my with it. my inner child. I know, I know. Um, all right. So that we like the dog. The dog's name is Winnie. I think I think we're gonna keep the dog. That's, That's what exciting. I'm I like the dog. I like the dog. And I don't even like dogs. I like our dog. Can
2: I make a suggestion? Yes. And you may already be doing this. Yes. Get her trained. like pay for getting her trained. Like whether one of you whether Linda takes her and does the training, I just, especially with a bigger dog, you're going to be better off getting the dog trained.
0: We, uh, I took the dog, have I complained to you about the meeting that I go to is on the beach and everybody brings dogs and it's like a dog show slash dog fight more than a meeting. Oh no,
2: I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know that you complained about it.
0: Yeah, I complain about it all the time. And uh, so I bring the dog to the meeting on Sunday Uh and like, everyone's like, he's a hypocrite. He should should take a chip (laughs) because he brought the fucking dog. And then, but the dog was out of hand. It was like right. it was chaos on a string. You can't dog. bring an
2: untrained dog someplace where there's a bunch of other dogs.
0: I'm done with the dog at the meeting. Yeah. I, I so I would love to hear your opinions about our uh, our new our new feline friend, our new canine <laughs> friend. How do I get the dog to eat the cat? I, <laughs> can I put like dog food on the cat? <laughs> can I like roll the cat in steak sauce or something? Like, what can I do? To have the dog—that's really all I want. I want the dog That's to kill the cat. That's not a good
2: solution. That's going to be traumatic for, for everybody. For the
0: family, yeah. Not for me. I would feel like not for you. I feel really, really good about but it.
2: But for Linda, Nora, and Susan, it's going to be traumatic.
0: They love the dog. They lo- and they—they they kind of—they seem to like the cat more. Even the, the cat's <laughs> become likable now that she's been marginalized.
2: Hopefully, the cat will stay in line now. We'll see.
0: I've enjoyed the cat now that I've seen her so much less, I have to say.
2: Well, that's good. And she's not spraying. As long as she doesn't spray, you're not going to mind that she's there.
0: When I used to do my exercises in the morning, Mm -hmm. the cat would attack my hand when I did push-ups. So I would take the cat and put the cat in the basement. Now, the dog licks my head while I do (laughs) push-ups. She, like, jumps and licks my (laughs) head and my neck. So this morning, I had to go downstairs with the cat. Mm to do my exercises down there but the cat's so pissed off and traumatized she's not even fucking Wait, with me Wait, you do
2: 200 push-ups every morning? Yes. Like real push-ups? Yes. Or like modified push-ups? No,
0: real push-ups.
2: 200? 200. You have that kind of upper body strength? I've
0: developed it.
2: Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm actually pretty impressed.
0: Nice. Very good.
2: Um I can't do 200.
0: Well, Dopey Fitness <laughs> Challenge. We start with start with uh with 5.
2: All right. Yeah. And you build I
0: started with I mean, years ago, I remember I couldn't do any push-ups. Right. So I started just doing them. And then, I, and then when I started, I, I, I started doing much more when I got off methadone.
3: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. then,
0: and then I stopped, but I knew that I could do them. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I, I don't know, like for the last few years, I've been doing them. But I, I think I need to do much more. I was right. talking to this guy, this dad. This like my daughter's friend's Mm -hmm. dad, who's like ripped. He has one of these like resistance band gyms, and I told him that I do 200 push-ups and sit-ups a day, and he was he wasn't as impressed as you were, but he was impressed, and he said that you need to do 500. Jeez. In order to get the results that I'm looking for. Right. And also what are, fentanyl. What, so wait,
2: what are the results? I want to, I want to like be, all be fit. I want to be,
0: I want to like be fit. Like right. I want to, I, wanna, I, mean, I like don't want to be embarrassed when I take my shirt
2: off. I think that's the thing. Like I would like to be like confident in a bathing suit. Right.
0: Again. That's all it is. Yeah. Jay, fentanyl Jay. Uh-huh. When I told him I did 200, he was like, that's cool. I do five. He says, I'm ripped up like Rambo. He <laughs> is.
2: Do we have any updates on Jay? What's happening with him?
0: Uh, he just got one? a second job. Okay. He's going to come back on the show in a minute. Okay. He, um, he's working a program. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, we're fearful that he's going to go back to prison soon. Right. But, uh, he has 300 and like 55 days that they can lock him up. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the case gets thrown out. Okay. So, but he, he's, he feels as though he's going to go
2: right to jail.
0: And I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Um, so we have an exciting show today. Yes. Are you excited?
2: Yes. Oh,
0: we have uh, we have uh, our, one of our sponsors, one of my favorite sponsors is Sober Buddy. And Sober Buddy is an app that helps you get or stay sober. And they were interested in us participating in something they do called the Sober Buddy Challenge. And every day they do this thing like they say they give you a challenge and they say, do you accept this challenge? Mm-hmm. Like there, like in the
2: app. Oh, yeah. that's so cool.
0: And uh, their challenge was... It's a really pretty easy challenge. It was to go and buy a stranger a mm-hmm. cup of coffee. And I did it and I had... Aaron Carr do it yep. as well. So why don't you tell your experience sure. with the Sober Buddy coffee challenge. So
2: after I took Franklin to school this morning, I went into Madman Espresso, which is like my little local coffee place that I like. And there were two people in there. And I actually had already had coffee, so I didn't get any coffee for myself. And I said, Hey. <laughs> I went up to the counter. I said, I want to buy coffee for these two people. Wow, two were, people. Yeah. And they were like Okay, and the people were like, "Thanks," you know. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't like it was very easy, and like it made their day, and it made me feel good. And and then I told them to like give it like since I was buying their coffee to make sure they tipped an extra tip to the barista.
0: Nice. I went into this this deli in Bayport, mm-hmm. or as they say, Bayport, and <laughs> it was called the Firehouse Deli in Bayport, and I often go there before the meeting. Uh-huh. And I had seen this, actually, I'd seen the challenge the day before. Right. And my intention was to make a whole thing about it and record me buying somebody a cup of coffee, telling them about Sober Buddy, telling them about Dopey, like having a little piece of audio recorded. Mm -hmm. But I figure the magic is is ruined. It's ruined
2: then. You know what? Because I think the whole point of doing things like that is to do them, just to do them. Right. With no explanation. The the
0: idea is to be altruistic Mm -hmm. and and spread a little love and generosity. Mm -hmm. So I go in there and and I'm tired and it's empty Mm -hmm. and I get a cup of coffee and I've been using the, the vanilla French creamer.
2: Oh well, that that's not part of the dopey fitness. Challenge. No, there's no <laughs> cholesterol
0: in there. I know. There's no. There's sugar. sugar. It's
2: the sugar. We had to get the yeah. sugar,
0: the f- sugar free, and the hot, the the fucking uh, hot fudge is yeah. not good for no. the no. And I also we had I had we went to Old Navy over. or I'm sorry, Boston Market over the weekend. Uh-huh. And we we ordered some chicken and they gave us meatloaf and that's everything in in Boston Market is delicious yet definitely not part <laughs> of the dopey. I haven't good. had
2: Boston Market in like. Maybe like since the 90s.
0: Boston Market was on 23rd Street. Uh-huh. I was on the corner of 23rd Street between seventh and eighth and it was my favorite meal mm-hmm. And I would also I also had a dealer in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm a very short amount of time. It was this very old Puerto Rican man mm-hmm. who was really skinny and he called himself Chino and he looked like a throwback heroin dealer. Mm-hmm. He would wear like the trench coat and he was really thin and his heroin was so bad mm-hmm. that he'd sell, he'd like give you some, <laughs> like he'd <laughs> like give you extra right. because the dope was so, so bad. bad, but I would meet him outside of Boston market. And, um, and I love that. And I'd buy myself the 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 dark, the half the quarter dark chicken special. And I loved it. And Boston Market, I, I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. I think they might make the best chocolate chip cookies out there. Really? Incredible. Although we went to the mall yesterday mm-hmm. and then we went to the toll house store. Mm-hmm. Sick chocolate chip cookies. Do
2: you remember Mrs. Fields?
0: I do. Yeah. And David's cookies. But I think Boston Market dominates I didn't think Mrs. Fields is that great.
2: I mean, it was years ago that I had a Mrs. Fields cookie, but I was just remembering, like, there was, like, that thing where, like, the recipe was secret and somebody, like, paid a lot for the recipe and then circulated it. I think that was an urban myth. Sounds like it. Yeah.
0: Now, so I went into the firehouse mm-hmm. deli and I got myself my small coffee with the French dairy creamer. Yes. French vanilla creamer. Mm-hmm. And this guy walks in and the guy behind the counter is like, hey, Seth, you you want your paper today or whatever he says. Right. And I said... I'm buying his coffee.
2: <laughs> do you say it with the extra accent?
0: <laughs> I don't think I did. But uh, and then he and then the guy goes, "Wow!" He goes, "You want extra napkins or anything with that?" And I was like, "Yeah, Give me, uh, I'm feeling a little stuffy. Give me some extra napkins." And Seth is like, "You sure?" And I'm like, "Yes, yeah, Seth. I'm sure." I'm like, "Have a great day."
2: It's a nice thing to do. And he's like, "Thanks." And,
0: uh, and I left there feeling like the king of the universe and I've never done that before.
2: It's kind of a nice thing to do. I feel like I did this once years ago where like I was in a drive through and I like told like paid for the people behind me and I don't remember why I did it, but like, that's kind of a nice thing to do. You could just like go up and pay for the next, like say like, I want to pay for the next person in line.
0: Right. People at Katz's used to do that, right? Really? We're, we're, That's we're, nice. yeah. What they would do is, like, let's say I'm sitting at a table mm-hmm. and, and, and they would have an interaction. He'd be like, I want to pay for their right. meal. I'd be like, no, you don't. I'd be like, just <laughs> take it easy. Just take it easy, Robin Hood. You don't need to pay for their meal. Like, who are you, who are you trying to impress? Do
2: you want to hear a really nice story? Yes. So on my anniversary, so, or my wedding anniversary, Seth and I went to this restaurant in our neighborhood. And... um. We had, like, you know, whatever, had this great meal, blah, blah, blah. They, like, when we got there, they had, like, a, they had champ or Prosecco for us. It's this Italian restaurant. And then some, like, special appetizer from the chef and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, dessert. Like, all this extra stuff we didn't order. And they knew it was our anniversary. And then when we went to pay, my mother-in-law and father-in-law had called because they knew where we were going for our anniversary dinner and paid for the whole thing ahead of time.
0: Very nice. I thought
2: that was very, it was such a like unexpected, nice surprise.
0: You know, my, my mother-in-law would never do that. No. In fact, the other day, <laughs> right, I come home on a Tuesday and she has Susan mm-hmm. and I have Nora. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that she was trapped with Susan. And right. I called her and I was like, I was like, do you want me to go get, Susan she goes, she goes, No, Dave, we're gonna eat dinner now. And I said, I said, okay. And she goes, Tell Nora I can make her a plate, but you're on your own. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it's fucked up. That's funny. She used to take food out of our kitchen. Uh Like when this is a classic dopey story. Uh When 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 we when Linda had Susan, Mm -hmm. I had made a bunch of chicken cutlets and Mm -hmm. put them in the fridge. And she came over and she took them
2: for herself yeah
0: and i had bought a special <laughs> cookie and she took that too <laughs> and i came home from the hospital to eat the cookie and the chicken college and she had taken them that's amazing i know she's like <laughs> she's she's not your jewish mother-in-law <laughs> um all right well we have Mackenzie phillips back on Yay. the show so let's play Mackenzie. okay but dopey nation if you want to feel like a million bucks maybe you should buy somebody a cup of coffee and, yes. say, and say you did it for Dopey. Yes, or Sober Buddy, or both, or and try check out the Sober Buddy app because they have. We're going to be doing challenges here and there. The coffee, the coffee <laughs> challenge. I thought was I really liked
2: it. We should roll it into Patreon somehow. Which, as a reminder, if you're not on the Dopey Patreon, why not?
0: Yeah, fucking go on Patreon. There's a ton of shit on there. There's a lot of videos of Ask Mm -hmm. Aaron that people are big, big fans of. Mm -hmm. A lot of weirdos (laughs) out there that love to watch Aaron. Um, And then also subscribe to Dopey YouTube. Yes. Buy Dopey merch where, as you guys probably know, we are in a deep relationship partnership with a company called SRO Prince out of Cincinnati. They're a bunch of junkies in recovery. They make our merchandise go to dopeypodcast.com, buy some dopey merch, let your freak flag fly, put a picture up, you know,
2: ask oh, don't forget to ask send in some ask Aaron questions Ask too.
0: Aaron questions, voicemails, emails, and you know we have the candles. Do you want candles? Do you want I'll, dopey I'll candles? Have a candle, yeah. We're in a great partnership with a candle company called North Avenue Candles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make really high quality candles, and I I I really mean that. And they make Dopey Candles. You go to northfcandles.com slash collections slash Dopey. All right. And we had the honor and privilege of having the great Mackenzie Phillips back on the show. So here we go.
1: It's a white donut with frosting and sprinkles on it.
0: Nice. Very good.
1: Yeah. On Fridays, there, there are usually treats here. Huh. And I'm really bad. I can't control myself when there are sweets.
0: I'm horrible. Like a per-
1: like, I think it's because of our heroin past.
0: Yeah, I just got the news that uh, I have very high cholesterol. You know, I was sure I had, really I was sure I had diabetes, like the way I eat sweets. But uh, my family has high cholesterol, and high cholesterol comes with red meat fried foods or baked goods um i I have high you eat a lot of red meat no i don't and i and i don't eat a lot of fried food either i eat a lot of baked. you eat a lot of baked goods yes i do i don't eat donuts though i had an encounter with donuts in college tripping mushrooms and i was just like you know like if you're tripping and you eat something it's like that crazy aversion oh
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: so i'm off i haven't had a baked good since i got the diagnosis which is big for me cuz i'm like i eat like i'm doing drugs at night like i eat i eat sweets it's bad
1: do you like have like a cabinet full of like baked goods in your house
0: cookies i'm a cookie freak and i have two kids so i like and i like cake and ice cream and all that stuff so
1: yeah 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 i just don't keep that stuff in my house
0: well i've got a, i've got two little kids i've got a 3 year old and a and a 12 year old so like, do they need cookies and cake? That's an interesting question. Do kids need yeah. cookie and cake? Yeah. Do they?
1: Like keep, I don't know. I mean, do they need to have it in the house, or does it need to be like, a, oh, let's go out and get some cookies for a special occasion? See, I and I, then keep like keep like a box of, uh, you know, Lucky Charms in the house for fun.
0: I, I mean, I think that's where we're going. We're going that way. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but hello and welcome to Doby, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb <laughs> shit.
1: And it's, and, and, and sugar addiction. Cause I'm totally addicted to sugar, but I just don't, I don't keep it in the house. Like, let me tell you this. So like, if I'm craving something sweet, I have this recipe for peanut butter cookies and I keep the, I keep like the ingredients for it in the house. It's sugar, peanut butter, and eggs. And if I'm really desperate, I'll go downstairs and make a batch of these fucking cookies.
0: The whole recipe is just sugar, peanut butter, and egg? No flour?
1: No. Nope. And, like, I have to put in the effort to make the cookies if I really want something like that. I have to go downstairs and bake. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Because if I keep this stuff in the house, I will eat it all. I'll just eat it all. I have no ability to regulate with sugar i think it's because i'm i'm a fucking junkie
0: no i'm the same way and, and it, i think it trips the same switch that opiates yeah yep. switch yeah so let me ask you a really stupid question because i met you in person it was one of the i didn't even introduce you our guest is the one Hello. and only dopey legend you know <laughs> famous tv film music, and now recovery, and of course addiction, Mackenzie Phillips, welcome back to the show.
1: Hello, Dopey. Hello, everybody.
0: Like, I am... Nice nice to be back. It is so nice to have you back, and what I was going to say is I got to meet you in person when I went to Los Angeles, and you, you look great. You don't seem to have a sugar, like the sugar doesn't seem to be an unmanageable situation.
1: Well, you what you're saying is I'm not overweight. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's,
0: I'm glad you read between the lines so deftly. Yes, that's Thank what I'm saying. Thank you for that.
1: That's, that's because I don't keep that stuff in my house. Look, if I had it in my house, I'd weigh 300 pounds because I cannot regulate that shit.
0: You don't I think can't. you could do the same thing that you do with drugs with that?
1: I, I don't think I would want to. Because I love it so much. Well, I mean, exactly. Like if I had a house full of dope, do you think I could? I would have to because otherwise I would die. I would die. So yeah. I get your point.
0: We don't keep heroin in the house. We don't keep fentanyl in the house or Oxycontins. (laughs) We don't. You know, that's never a thing.
1: Like, Like I'm sitting here staring at this half a donut, thinking, should I put the phone on mute while he's talking so I could eat some more of this donut? Like I'm crazy.
0: I'm, I'm exactly the And same I'm way.
1: sitting in my office at the rehab that I work at. <laughs> oh, God. I'm on a sugar high, too, right now because I ate a half a donut just before I started talking to you.
0: Well, that's the best. I mean, I think it's the best to indulge your, your sugar addiction in rehab. I think that's the place to do it. And you've been through a lot since we spoke last, and I'm so thrilled that I— that we can have you back on to do a check-in to see what's going on. I have lots more questions too, but why don't you tell the Dopey Nation what you just went through?
1: okay, on January 19th, I had total knee replacement surgery, because I'm old. Both of them. And I have, off. no, just one.
0: Okay, good, that'd be scary.
1: No, I just had one knee, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like having them both done at the same time. That would be insane because it's three months later and I'm still limping around and, and experiencing swelling and pain. And it's like, that's a big deal. I think I was kind of naive about what the recovery would be like because it's a lot. It's a lot. And Dopey Nation, hello, everybody. There are, pain medications involved in recovery from knee replacement surgery. Don't everybody run out and get one just because there's a free lapse yes. involved? Break it down because though. Because...
0: As, as, as somebody who has this ridiculous penchant for opiates and sugar as I do, when, when, cause you know, knee replacement sounds scary to me and, and getting pain medication sounds scary to me, but it also sounds exciting. So walk us through that well, whole process. you know,
1: the, the the thing is, they cut your bones mm. like they use a, I guess, a, like a special kind of saw and they cut your tibia. I think that's what it's called. And they put like a titanium, maybe titanium, I don't know, joint in there. You know, they, they cut your muscles and your nerves and they reattach everything once they remove the screwed up part of your knee that's causing so much pain like let me just say this before knee replacement surgery i wasn't one of those people with a really bad knee that took opioids to deal with the pain i didn't do that because i know that that would be that would spell death to me so a lot of people with a really bad knee some of my family members included who also have a substance use disorder took a lot of opioids to deal with the pain of having a bad knee um i did not So uh, I did everything, like, you know, cortisone injections, physical therapy, all that kind of stuff, to try and not have knee replacement surgery. But after a while, those things either work or or they stop working, and that's what happened with me. So, um, you know, I finally had an MRI, another MRI, and they were like, you know what, you have to have your knee replaced. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And they're like, sorry, it's time. You know, I'm 62 years old, right? Yeah. So...
0: i've been hearing so many things i have so many friends who are having issues with their knees my dad just had ortho ortho orthoscopic surgery on his knee so it wasn't full knee replacement there's a guy at my meeting who just had one knee replaced the other one's getting replaced my friend ray has knee problems so like it's like that's life right life brings wear and tear like and you right, know, it's like, that's, that's the deal. We are these weird biomechanical creatures and the, the biomechanical nature of our bodies has to decline. So like they so basically right. they were like, either we replace it or you have pain.
1: Right. And like, you know, I, I can't tell you how long I've been dealing with, I used to say to people, how often do you think about the fact that you have knees? And they're like, never. I'm like, I think about it every day. You know, and this is going back 15 years. So it's been a long time coming.
0: So when you so, get out of the surgery, so, what, what, what kind of medication are they giving you and what's the first experience <laughs> on it?
1: So here's the deal. The, the awesome anesthesiologist, she was so funny. She was like, you know, I'm like, okay, so I'm waking up from the surgery and she's there and she's pushing Delauded, right? Because I'm coming, I'm waking up from the surgery. And she's like, how are you still awake? How are you still awake? (laughs) And I'm like, ah, it hurts so much. And she's like, are you serious? You can feel something? And she's pushing more. And she's like, I have never had anyone be able to tolerate this much Dilaudid. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. You know, this is like, this is, you know.
0: You're like, you obviously never read my book or heard me on Dopey.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So that was the thing. And then. You know, then she's like, what did they prescribe you at home? And I told her and she's like, that's not going to be enough. If, 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 if you're still talking to me after the amount of medication that you've had and you're still awake and you're like cognizant, what they have um, sent you home with isn't going to be enough. So she changed that. And, um, you know, and, and, and I, th- th- the thing is that they send you home on the day. Of the surgery, it's now knee replacement. In most cases, is outpatient surgery, unless you have some comorbidities that cause you to, you know, need to remain in the hospital. So my son comes to pick me up, and my son, you know, is not an addict. He is the kind of guy who buys. He's thirty five. He's the kind of guy who buys a twelve pack, and two weeks later, there's nine left. He's a good. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. Yes. He's a good kid. You know, he's a trimmer in a grow house. He's the guy, kind of guy who smokes weed and has a couple beers. He's like a normal guy. Um, so he's the keeper of the meds. Obviously, you need someone to hold on to your medications. So we get home, and I'm like, they told me to take the meds as soon as I get home. He goes, are you in pain? And I said, no, I'm, I'm not. But they t- and he said, okay, we're going to follow this to the T. So he gives me the meds and he's like, okay, in six hours you can have the next dose of medication. So like, he was just great. He's so boundaried, you know, so he would come into the room and he's, you know, making me do my exercises and helping me do my exercises. He'd come in like literally six hours later on the nose with the next dose of the medication he would come in at midnight with the medication then he'd come in at 6 a.m with the medication and he was just amazing but you know and and at first i was like oh god opiates are so gross this is so gross i hate this it's disgusting but wait wait wait, wait, hold on hold
0: on on. on. what was disgusting okay
1: because i felt nauseous and i it was like ugh Oh, I just, you know, it was gross. I didn't like it. It didn't, it didn't. didn't. So So when you first
0: took a Delauded, it didn't activate No, I I didn't go home.
1: I didn't, I, I didn't go home on Delauded.
0: In the hospital though. Like I just, I haven't had an. They they,
1: they were, they were, they were pushing Delauded through my IV.
0: And how did it feel in the hospital?
1: It was awesome in the hospital. Okay.
0: Okay. That's what I wanted. That's what I needed to hear. Now, now what did they send you home? That was awesome. Okay.
1: Um. Um, 10 milligram oxycodone.
0: Okay. And what did you have any of that? Like, I wish I was still on the Dilaudid. Did any of that classic sort of opiate addict shit pop up in your head? Um, just out of curiosity for all the junkies out there listening who are craving new replacement. It didn't,
1: it didn't, I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think, oh God, I wish I, I wish I had IV Dilaudid. I didn't think that. I didn't think that. Because I was so, at first, I was so grossed out by the way the oxycodone made me feel. But I have to say that the longer you're taking the opiate, the less gross it becomes.
0: You're more used to it.
1: Yes. And you're like, oh, this isn't so bad.
0: Right. And, 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 and
1: then the longer you're taking it, you're like, oh, this is pretty fucking good.
0: Okay. So that's when it gets. And, like, but, does it activate the fear of, like, fuck, I'm fucking up? Do you have any feeling like, because you. Yes.
1: Okay. It's like, I like this too much. Right. I like this too much. And that, but, but, but I had Shane who was so boundaried with the medication and kept it in his room that there's no way that I could overuse it. And I had to deal with my own thought process and talk to my people like, oh my God, I really like this. Like at first I was talking to my people going, this is disgusting. Right. This is so gross. I hate this so much. And then like a week later I was like, oh my God, why do I like this? A week ago I thought it was gross and now it's, I like it. It's
0: so interesting. But I still right? had to
1: take it because it was so painful because I was in pain, but then I'm like, am I really in pain, or am I creating pain, because I love opiates, you know, you get into that place.
0: But you're like one of the but, the most major league drug addicts that I've ever encountered, and that's a compliment, and obviously <laughs> you know that if like when the switch gets turned on in the past, you've figured out ways to get drugs to you, even when you're not supposed to, even when Shane has the dose, you know where you could get more. Did any of those ways and means show up anywhere? And if they did, how did you deal with them? They did not at all. Right on. And why not? They did not. Tell me why not.
1: Like, uh, because I have two, my life is so good I've come so far. Yes. I am valued. I am counted on by so many people. I have so much to lose. I, I have so much to give. And if I go back down the rabbit hole, I lose everything I've worked so hard for.
0: I understand. It's like I, I totally understand. How long did you stay on the oxycodone?
1: Um, I went from every six hours to only taking five milligrams an hour before physical therapy, which was twice a week. Um, And that has been over for weeks. Now I was thinking this morning, because I still have a lot of pain,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: but I, I have to, in my mind, I have to understand the difference between pain and discomfort, right?
0: Break it down. What's the like difference there, between pain and discomfort? Well,
1: it's different for everybody. I, I have to realize that, that I have to understand that what I perceive as pain could actually, I have to understand, I, I have to decide that it's not pain, that it's just discomfort. Totally. Because I can make discomfort into pain. Easily. easily yes because because <laughs> because I'm an addict yes I can say no this because I can like you can get used to hanging upside down if you hang long enough
3: mm-hmm. you can
1: get used to you can make discomfort into pain uh, easy I can do that easily in order to justify dropping a dime which is the, the old the old payphone analogy to make a call to you know I could walk into an ER and show this scar or an urgent care, the scar on my knee, easily. But do I do that? No. It's do I consider it in, in my crazed addict mind? For a second. Would I do it? No, I can't.
0: Right. And that's, and that's awesome. I mean, wait, wait, wait. I can. Exactly. We could Will do whatever I? we could do I right we could do whatever we want you know what I mean like even at a right. meeting when someone's like I can't do this and it's like the truth is we can do whatever we want it's about not wanting to lose everything you've gained and, and also just like your life is obviously so rich and joyful and and like I think this has been a huge, Episode really in your in your recovery because you're right at the fucking gate. You know what I mean? And you and you see the the monster, and you're like, no thanks. I'm gonna stay here. You know, and like it
1: like it says in the book, the big book, the book. We are at the jumping off point. Right, 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 right. You find yourself at the jumping off point. What are you gonna do? Because because we have we're back in that place where where we have the gift of choice right totally. i have the gift of choice i could choose i can choose and i uh, uh, i don't want to sound corny but i fucking choose life
0: i don't think it sounds like, corny i think i think i think after you've been through what you've been through and 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 i feel the same way you know after i've been through what i've been through i, I have to say that when i hear about somebody that gets a uh, a prescription for delauded I'm intrigued, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued just at like, it's kind of like a high school reunion in my mind. Like I'm going to feel something that I haven't felt in so long, and, and I right. and the nostalgia of it, the comfort, like that was my favorite thing. Wouldn't it be so nice to have my favorite thing again, see my old best friend sort of thing, you know?
1: It, it's And I can, yeah, 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 yeah. And I can understand after the, the last two years, two or so years, like in 2020, I had emergency surgery and I had to be in the, like at the height of the pandemic, I had to be in the hospital for six days on IV morphine and, and, you know, and then I had to have this crazy dental surgery. And then I had to have this knee replacement. This is all since 2020. So I've had this sort of influx of, um, pain meds and it makes me understand how, uh, People like you and me and people like the people listening get this idea of, wow, you know, uh, I could create these scenarios where I need surgery, whether it be elective surgeries or throwing yourself down the stairs or, you know, whatever it is in order to justify these. And I'm going to make air quotes here, free lapses so that you don't bear the weight of going out, right? But you have these, these, creating these instances where you have to get, uh, you know, surgery so that you can have these pain meds, right? I can understand why people do that now. Right. Let me ask you because this. Because people do that. Of people cou- do that.
0: Right. Because it's, it, the free lapse obviously isn't free. But once someone says, take this Dilaudid every five hours, it's like, okay, he told me yeah. to. You know, I didn't go to the, I didn't and go then, to my spot. This guy told me to take it.
1: Exactly. And then, you know, if if one is good, two is better.
0: Right. Right. Are you kidding me? The last time yeah. I got a prescription, I wasn't in recovery. I was I was kind of like dry uh, and I had to get my some work done on my teeth. And my dentist even knew that I was a drug addict. And she gave me like a prescription for like 10 Vicodin or something, and I hadn't done an opiate in a long time. And I took one and I was like, I feel this a little. And then I just took the other, I took like three and then another three. And I was like, God (laughs) damn, like, I just wanted that feeling. And I, and I wasn't, I didn't work a program of recovery at that point. And when I hear you talk about it too, because you work, you are the, uh, the referral director and, and part owner of breathe life. Right. Good.
1: Yeah. Breathe Life Healing Center in West Hollywood.
0: And it's a beautiful place that I actually got to meet you in, which was really very it's very cool for a junkie to walk into a rehab and not have to stay there. You know what I
1: mean? It's like it's like the greatest feeling,
0: you know, to not- it is
1: awesome. Right. But like I get to I have my like I have my car keys. Like it's like I can leave.
0: I know. It's incredible. Or or to go speak (laughs) at detox, speak at detox. And then you're like, okay, gotta go. It's like the greatest, greatest thing ever. (laughs) But, um, I mean, how much, you know, you like, we, we don't need to recount your whole story. You started at a super young age. You were, you know, totally uh, addicted to drugs, you know, early on. And then you relapsed and relapsed and used a ton of drugs and learned about addiction, relapse, recovery, in the, you know, in the throes of it. And now you're working uh, to help people get better and you can talk about it, you know, in this clinical way that's informed by your personal experience. How long did you get comfortable, how long did it take to get comfortable in that role?
1: Oh, man, you know, I, I got to tell you, I started going to treatment when I was 18 mm-hmm. and I've been treatment 11 times. And I've always been, been fascinated by behavior, like what makes people do the things they do. Um, Like, you know, my dad was a big rock star and I remember sitting there, you know, when I was like a little, little kid like watching my dad party with the Beatles and the Stones and you know, like there were big bowls of cocaine on the table and I'm like five, six years old and I'm thinking, what makes them think it's okay to do this stuff around me? I'm just a little girl, you know? And, And always thinking about what drives behavior right so from a very young age i was very i was always fascinated by i guess the science of the mind and so every time i went to treatment i thought i want to do what i want to i want to do what they're doing right but i uh, my addiction kept the monster kept waking up the monster kept waking up over and over again and i didn't know how to keep the monster at bay um But once I finally was able to keep the monster at bay, and uh, uh, I I thought, okay, now, now I can get on the other side of the desk and start, and I went back to school, you know, and I thought, well, you know, I know this is gonna confuse people because I've been an actress or, 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 you know, on stage or writing books my whole life, but I am gonna change careers. And it did. It confused people. People were like, are you you really, you're doing this for a reality show. You're not really working full time in a treatment center. I'm like, yes, I am. And that's what I've been doing for the last eight years. And I've always been comfortable doing this. At first, I was like, I, people aren't going to take me seriously, but people do and did. And I love it. I mean, and, you know, working at Breathe, it's, you know, they, 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 they know that it's good for them if I go and do Orange is the New Black or if I go on a book tour or if I, you know, do different things. So I have a lot of freedom to, to come and go. Uh, and yet I, I, I always have a home here at Breathe. So right. because it's, it, it's good it's for you great. too.
0: You get to stay being an artist and you get to help people And you get to explore those behaviors of the mind that intrigue you. So it's a real win-win-win. When did you start going back? Like when were you okay to drive?
1: Oh, you know this is my fourth day back. Okay, how do you feel? You know, it's hard. It's hard. Like it's really hard. I'm. uh, I'm. It takes me a long time to get out of the house in the morning. Uh, I'm still going to physical therapy twice a week. My knee is still barking at me. You know, the thing is, it still feels like it's not part of me. It feels alien. Um, you know, I lived on the first floor of my house for the first two months. I moved into the guest room because my bedroom is upstairs. Right. So going up and down the stairs is is, is, is hard. Yeah. yeah, it's horrible. And... Physical therapy is brutal, and I have to do all these exercises at home. I got myself an exercise bike, so I ride that, you know, for 30 minutes a day. Uh, sleeping is very uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's fucked. this sucks. Um, if I had to do my other knee, which I eventually will have to do it, I'm like – Fuck that. I don't want to do this again. Right. I, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do this again. And then my, my addict mind goes, yeah, but. Right. And exactly. And then I'm like, ew, why do I think that way? Right. Why, why do I still think that way after all these years? You know, it, it's, there's a, it's a lot being us.
0: You know what's really fucked up? It's like I haven't smoked cigarettes in, in years. Did you? Do you? you don't? Do you smoke? I always want to smoke. Yeah, I, I smoked for forty two years. Right. I, I like at my meeting, my meetings on the beach. Uh, there's smokers, you know, who smoke like three, three, four cigarettes during the meeting. And when I see them smoke, I go right next to them so that I can like pretend that I'm smoking. When I hear your story, it's like, how can you take? delauded or Oxys and not smoke cigarettes. In my mind, it's like, if I did it, I think I'd have to start smoking again just to, like, have the opiate <laughs> nicotine at the same time. That's fucked up.
1: I know. Oh, my Who, God. What, is, what is this thing, this peculiar twist that we all carry? I mean, you know, and, and yet we are the smartest, the hardest working, the best friends. We will run towards danger to help someone out of the fire. And yet we have this peculiar twist. But if you get us (laughs) sober, we get ourselves sober. We're the fucking best. But we still carry these little echoes, these little echoes. These quirks,
0: personality quirks of junkiedom. Um, What I want to ask you?
1: We're quirkalicious. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I wanted to ask, when you're a kid, right, and you're growing up in rock star, you know, the, the maximum rock starness. Like I the first thing I wanted to ask was was about Beatles and Bob Dylan, but we're gonna put that off. We're gonna put that in the background. Uh just talking okay. about like the music scene, drugs, you know, coming up with the with all those um young groupie scene again, drugs. And and you talked about going to rehab treatment at 18 and now you're working in treatment, how similar Are the experiences of the young people coming in to treatment compared to when you were a kid? Like, is it comparable? Is it the same thing, or is it totally different?
1: Well, I mean, my compared to what I
0: no, just the scene, just like the like there was an idea around rock and roll in the late sixties, early seventies that probably. Played out into the mid '80s or something, or maybe even '90s. This, this, this rock and roll junkie. This, this it's sex, different. drugs, and rock. It's different, right? It
1: it's different. It's different. Everything is different. It, it, it. I mean, there's there's an underlying theme, certainly, but but you know, and plus, which, like, when I went to treatment back in those days they weren't focusing on on uh, uh, adverse early childhood experiences or trauma and what we deal with at breathe is we're we're not just saying don't drink and go to meetings we're not just saying stop using we're we're working on the the underlying issues like we're working on the underlying issues that cause people to start using oblivion. right 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 yeah we're not we're not saying uh, you know uh, you got to get an attitude of gratitude you know the, the, that's the kind of stuff that that i was treated with so many times over and over again you know we're not just giving lectures on uh, you know the the 12 steps and the 12 traditions we're we're, we're which is great i mean that's we're, we're we're working with people who have the need for internal family systems work we're working with families to help heal the family and the person who has the substance use disorder. So it's a very different type of treatment than I was ever exposed to.
0: And in terms of the drugs, like how often are you, in, how often do you deal with the clients and like how many fentanyl addicts are you meeting and how many of them talk about fentanyl specifically?
1: Well, there, we see that a lot, but mostly we're dealing with a lot of meth. Really? We see a lot of meth, a lot of gay men with meth and sex addiction. Right. We see, we see that a lot, um, a lot of opiates, a lot of, uh, a lot of alcohol, too.
0: Right. And and the, the commonality between then and now is, is seeking oblivion, dealing with those early childhood things, dealing with trauma, dealing with, you know, being the, the greatest, you know, cliche of being uncomfortable in your own skin. That's, that's the whole deal. And, uh, and then, exactly. and then finding yourself actually addicted to something. Um, when you were on dopey the last time and the first time, the feedback was off the charts. Like you, it was like a coming home party for Mackenzie Phillips. So like, like to have you to meet you and to have you on again is like ridiculously uh, gratifying to me. And to have a relationship with you, to have like the beginnings of a friendship with you, even though I keep fucking everything up. Um, I, uh, <laughs> You're the best, though. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's incredibly gratifying. And when when we got off the phone after the first session, I was like, I forgot to ask you. Can I can I ask you some questions of things I forgot to ask you the first time? Yes. Yes. Of course. Okay, the first thing was reading about you and Valerie Bertinelli and Eddie Van Halen uh, in Manhattan, and like you guys doing coke without uh, Valerie Bertinelli knowing it, or something along those lines. Was there a gr- I remember there was a great Eddie Van
1: Halen cocaine story. Well, it was it was it was Quaaludes too. Okay. So we were we were at my Val and Ed came. They were in New York. God, there's so many great Val and Ed stories. But Val and Ed came to my apartment in Gramercy Park on Irving Place, and we were in the elevator. I think going up to my apartment, and Valerie was talking to my boyfriend Shane Fontaine, and. Ed and I were talking and Ed leaned over and a bunch of lewds fell out of his pocket and and he was like, Oh my god, oh my god and he leaned over and picked him up and he was like, God, don't tell Val, don't tell Val. And I was like, I won't tell Val and I held my hand out. Right. <laughs> pay the toll. <laughs> and he Yeah, pay exactly, pay the Piper. And um he just didn't want Val to know. And um And that was because he didn't, you know, obviously Valerie, you know, but Valerie, see, here's the deal. Val never got caught. Val and I would do lines in my dressing room at one day at a time, but she never got caught. I wasn't, you know, I was like so out of control that everyone was like, what is wrong with Mac? And all the attention was on me, but, you know, Val and I would get high, but she just never... She was so all-American and also not an addict, right. so she just never got caught. Um, so that, that, that's, that's that story.
0: How, how, how hard, how like, so there was, it was mostly Quaaludes with Eddie Van Halen.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Ed, I mean, you know, I, I don't even remember at this point. There was so much going on. I remember once we were in um, Atlantic City, and I was performing with the Mamas and the Papas at Claridge's, I think. And Val and Ed came to the show, and then afterwards we we went gambling. And you know, I didn't have a lot of money at that time, and my my, I'm going to call him my husband because we were just as good as married, Shane. And Val and Ed and I went gambling and, you know, we had like $5 chips and Ed gave us a bunch of black chips, $500 chips. And we were like, what? And we just wanted to keep them. We didn't want to gamble with them because it's a lot of money. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, gamble with them. And we started winning and he just let us keep the winnings. And it was like $5,000. It was so awesome. He was the greatest guy. He was the sweetest man with the most intense substance use disorder. And the last time I saw Ed was when Valerie married Tom. And he was at the wedding. And he was just so sweet. Just a lovely guy. And he was clean at that time.
0: Right. He had a great... great, The most like... Uh, what you call it? Uh, like his smile was catchy. You know what I mean. You saw his smile, yeah, yeah. And, and you had to smile too because he had that sense. Obviously, I never met him, and I wasn't the biggest Van Halen fan, but I was a fan of his. You know what I mean? Because he was just his talent was so crazy, and his like good, his ability to enjoy it. You could just see it on him when he played.
1: How about how amazing Wolfie is
0: doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. That but
1: is so cool. That's the coolest thing ever. But it must hey, I'm getting ready to do Valerie's cooking show again.
0: What's that going to be? She has a
1: she has a cooking show on Food Network, Valerie's Home Cooking, I think it's called.
0: What are you going to cook I, with I've her? I've
1: been on it. I don't know. I'm a vegetarian. Um, so I've been on it like three or four times where I, I, I go over there and we cook together and we Talk and it's it's actually going to be fun. So I'm going to do that soon.
0: That's awesome. And it's I, so fun. I'm always hunting down Bob Dylan stories. I don't. I know that you're in this weird world where all these people were at your dad's. What, did you ever encounter Bob Dylan in your travels?
1: I encountered Bob Dylan at my dad's. What was it? It was at my dad's fortieth birthday party it was at on the rocks which is a club above the roxy and my dad's party had a theme it was welcome to the north 40 Um, (laughs) okay (laughs) and bob was wearing like a black eyeliner and he was wearing like a, a a black cape with a pointed hood You know, like a, like a, a, you know, those weird, uh, they're almost, yes, okay. Like a Satanist
0: Um, kind of cape.
1: uh, Yes, but he's not a Satanist. Like an Anton LaVey, an
0: Anton LaVey kind of cape.
1: Exactly, exactly. And he was just sort of standing in a corner. And I, 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 I I just needed to be near Bob Dylan. So I just went over there and, I mean, how old was I when my dad was 40? I have no idea. I was like maybe 17 or something like that. I have no idea how old I was. And. I just remember going over and standing next to him and just, I didn't say anything. I just kind of stood there and I remember his eyes sort of darting over to me and just, just standing there and standing there and just looking at him and he was just looking at me and I'm just looking at him and, and I just walked away. I just needs to be near Bob Dylan for a minute. That's my only Bob Dylan story.
0: I'm I'm totally enraptured with him for some reason. Um like just I wanna I, wanna I wanna know. I, 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 obviously he's a genius. I wanna know like what he does when he visits his like grandkids. Or like he's staying at like he's, he, he's looking in the fridge or something. That's that's the Bob Dylan I wanna find out about. I
1: bet he's just a normal dude. I was at the music Cares... Uh, uh, you know, thing where they honored Bob Dylan was so cool. And he just got up there and, and, and uh, spoke for like 45 minutes, just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked talked for like 45. I can't remember a word he said, but I was enraptured with everything he said. Right.
0: I mean, I don't know
1: what he said. I couldn't understand half of what he said, but it was fascinating.
0: And you've been like, you've been, in contact and, and, and back and forth with like kind of some of the, the, the greatest, you know, talents, uh, you know, I want to say geniuses of, of art, you know, these kinds of people, uh, and then Norman Lear, like what was it to work with? Norman Lear's always been one of my heroes. Like I always wanted to do what he did and I grew up, you know, entertained by his creations. Like that was like my formative coming up. And you were friendly with him. What What is he like?
1: Norman is one of the most interesting human beings in the world, and I love him. Norman, um, Norman, oh, God, I don't even know what to say about Norman Lear. I love him so much, and working with Norman throughout my entire teenage years was one of the greatest gifts of my whole life, and then... When Norman reimagined One Day at a Time on Netflix with Rita Moreno and Justina Machado and hired me as a a recurring guest star on the new One Day at a Time, and I got to work with him all over again for four seasons, was an absolute, I mean, it was absolutely incredible to sit with Norman and work with Norman, and he is in his nineties and he seems so healthy was, still he's got a little hitch in his giddy up. Okay. Um, uh, he wears hearing aids. So he's, you know, I'm like, Hey there, Norman, how's it going?
3: Right. You know, right.
1: But, uh, he's incredible. And, um, you know, I, I went up to Norman's house for lunch. This was probably three years ago. And, uh, he was tooling around on the golf cart. He's got this incredible estate. In LA um, which he's been at for maybe 40 years I mean it's massive this place is unbelievable uh, you could only hope to ever live in a house like that I will never live in a house like that but it's absolutely incredible and he's w- running around that place on a golf cart and they're like oh God Norman's on the golf cart again can someone get Norman off the golf cart right. you know he he's one of the loveliest human beings um, his daughters' his uh, Valor, my character and Valerie's character on One Day at a Time were modeled after Norman's daughters, and they are lovely. Um, it, it's, it, he's incredible. Love that. He's a genius. He's got great vision. Uh, he's a good man.
0: No, I, I, he's one of my, my all-time favorites. Um, I remember one other thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, and I don't think we got to talk about it last time you were on. Which was when you play the interventionist on 90210 to help Dylan oh with his heroin addiction. And I would watch reruns and I would shoot heroin watching it. And I would always like root for Dylan to relapse because I was relapsing. And then you came on as the interventionist. <laughs> and I, like I knew your story backwards and forwards. You were sober in that period, right?
1: Yes, that was my first job back after getting sober the first time and i auditioned and uh got that gig and i was over the moon because i hadn't worked in years and i was so happy to do that gig and i thought it was so sort of weird to be playing an interventionist after you know all that had happened and then found myself on the set of 90210 and all it was so surreal because You know, the show was such a huge hit and all those kids were so entitled and they were fighting and this one wouldn't come to the set until that one got there. Like the ADs were like, these kids, oh my God, this one won't come to the set until this one's already there because they're above the call sheet on that one. And then it was just, it was actually kind of laughable because none of that matters and they were all, you know, they were all um, little uh, prima donnas, right. you know? Yes. And, and mm. it, yeah. But it was very interesting to watch the dynamics between all of those young actors.
0: And I love, I love to see, like, they did a, a weird meth thing on that show, and they did, you know, Dylan's heroin addiction was one of my favorite kind of soap opera heroin addictions that I ever got to see. So I enjoyed that. and I, I have to
1: tell you, Luke Perry was the most down-to-earth, kind actor of that entire cast.
0: Yeah, he was older than the rest of them, though, too, right?
1: Yeah, and he was was lovely. I was heartbroken when he died. That was so awful.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I was too. I mean, I I really, I was a fan. Obviously, I didn't know him, but, uh, and he was just so young, right? How did he die? Yeah, I mean, stroke. That's just terrible. That's just terrible. Yeah,
1: really fucking scary.
0: All right, now, before we go, um I yeah. have I have questions that are like heartbreaking questions. So I don't want to ask heartbreaking questions. I want but I want a really fucked up drug story. So how do we get a really fucked up drug story without me asking heartbreaking questions? You go ahead and ask the question. Okay, like what what would you consider in your in your history of using relapsing and coming back, what was the worst relapse for you?
1: Oh, god. I don't even know. I mean, I I don't even know because they all sort of uh, I mean I don't even know because let me think about this like there let me just say this there was only one time where I was actually trying to even stay sober like I don't even think about like all the times that I went to treatment I never went to treatment, hardly ever went to treatment thinking that I was even going to stay sober. I went to get y'all off my back. Right. So that I could lull y'all into a sense of complacency that I was actually going to do something which I had no intention of doing. Right, so you could do what you wanted to do. Exactly. So, I don't know that I can even answer that question. Um, I had been sober after i went to Alina lodge for 10 years and for me the way that i look at it like i people always said oh well if you ever relapse you'll go from a to z overnight and you you know you'll have a needle in your arm within 24 hours it never happened that way with me right like it was always gradual it was like chip a little way here chip a little way there chip a little way here and then You know, it took forever for things to get hardcore again. It wasn't like, you know, oh, I had a glass of wine and then the next morning I was out buying rigs. You know what I mean?
0: Sure. But did it always start with a glass of wine, something innocuous at a party or something?
1: No, not necessarily. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time focusing on
3: what
1: you know, what it started with, or I don't even, I mean, I haven't even thought about any of that kind of thing in a long, long time. Um, I mean, I can think of like, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't even know how to answer that question.
0: That's okay. I mean, like, um, because I think that's valuable though, to, to get 10 years and to relapse is, is, it's a valuable tool for someone else to hear about, like, what do you think went wrong in the t- and at, the, at, the, at the end of the 10 years? Like, what was the thing that made it, that the relapse happened?
1: Right. I mean, I, I always think that for me, and this is interesting, that it was pain, like not making the distinction between discomfort and pain. I always, you know, for me, there was a time where it was like, oh, I'm in so much pain. I have so much neck pain or back pain that I can't, I need pain medication, pain. That's why I'm so like, so very focused on, is it discomfort or is it pain? You know, pain meds are like, that's my, that has been my downfall. That's why I'm like, fuck, no.
0: That's super, that's, that's super cool. deep. Isn't that really deep that that's exactly where we are right now. And you can, and you can, yep. and you can call the discomfort for what it is, you know? And which is like amazing. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, you know, and I want to be able to do the same thing because the fucked up thing for all of us, pain is inevitable. You know, the checks in the fucking mail, like no matter what, that's right. you know? So like, like,
1: I, like be care, everybody out there, be careful with dental work be careful with surgeries be careful if you sprain your fucking ankle be careful if you break your finger because pain is what will take you out it'll take you out you have to make a distinction is it discomfort or is it pain because your brain will tell you it's pain when it's really discomfort
0: right and and get prepared now like i'm getting prepared right now That's just right. listening to you <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm serious. I'm serious.
1: Like, right? Like, I have arthritis in my neck. Right? I could say, "Oh my God, it's so painful." I need, uh, but, but I want to stay alive. I want to keep my job. I want to keep the respect of my family and friends. I want to stay here with y'all. I have to. So I have to, like, I have to bear. I need ice. I need ibuprofen, and I need a fucking chiropractor. I don't need a prescription.
0: All right. Well, I think that is a great, a great full circle ending to this uh, dopey talk, Mackenzie. Um, I, I love that uh, that you did this and that we had you back on. And I'm gonna bother you again. So just get ready. Good.
1: Keep bothering me, and I promise I won't ever be mean to you again.
0: No, you can be. Listen. Are you kidding me? I, I think I personally believe that conflict fortifies relationships more than anything. I think we've been through something. You have a sense of how I am. This time I didn't even fuck up, though. You have to admit that. I didn't. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. You've been absolved. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. I feel it's so. It's Ethan's fault. Yeah, I feel so good about that. Um, but uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on. If you ever need anything from us, you know where to find us, and uh, and thank you.
1: Thank you, Dave. I'll talk to you soon. Be good.
0: Awesome. <laughs> So look at that. What was once a dopey dream guest is now becoming a dopey regular guest.
2: I know. That's exciting.
0: That That is growth. It is. That's growth for dopey, for that old dopey magic. <laughs> and um, I had tried to get Mackenzie on uh, for so long. She never really acknowledged how many Instagram messages I've sent her over <laughs> the years, which is probably a nice thing of her to do. Yeah. And... Um, So you're the great uh, dopey interview analyzer. You're the great color commentator. (laughs) Yeah. So like, what did you take? I mean, I really, I'm incredibly pleased to have this kind of new relationship with Mackenzie Mm -hmm. and to have her participate in the show, not only to be somebody that gives like the highlights of their story dopey career and actual career, but to be an addict in recovery and how they live with it. And I thought that was really cool how she came with, you know, just the casual life shit.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing that struck me the most was that I think it's something that you probably haven't talked a lot about in dopey interviews is that the, like, how you deal with, like, surgery and pain when you're in recovery. And I think that that's super important. Something that she said that really struck me was, like, as an addict in recovery, learning to discern the difference between discomfort and pain, because as addicts, our brains can be like, Oh, you're in pain. You're in pain when it's really discomfort that doesn't require an opiate to solve the pain.
0: Right. And, and, um, I used to have no boundary between Mm -hmm. pain and discomfort Mm -hmm. or withdrawal. You know, even the slightest feeling and I was like, I need it. Right. You know, whatever it was, discomfort was enough pain for me. hmm You know, no matter what. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean I think that certainly early on that was true for me, but I've had surgery in recovery and I've had, you know, had to take I was on a morphine drip. I had half of my thyroid taken out in two thousand and eight because I had a tumor on my thyroid and I was on a morphine drip for two days and then they sent me, they were going to send me home with, with, I don't know, Vicodin or oxycodone. I don't remember what, but I couldn't swallow.
0: <laughs> I think Vicodin is oxycodone.
2: It is. No, oh. I, I, Vicodin no, is hydrocodone. hydrocodone. Right. Um, so I asked for like if they could give me something liquid. So they just gave me like codeine cough syrup and I took it the first day and it didn't really do anything. And I just was so, I have a fear of not because I think I'm going to start using I have a fear of having that feeling, that like slight withdrawal feeling after taking an opiate for a few days, even if you're taking it post surgery. So I tend to not take it for very long. And it's like after like dental surgery and different things, I've, I don't think I've ever finished a prescription because I'm more afraid of like truthfully, A, being constipated and B, like feeling any sort of withdrawal that I'd rather just like take ibuprofen or Tylenol and kind of like work through it. That said, if you've had major surgery and you, or you have like some major injury where you're in real pain, it's better to take the pain medication and get ahead of the pain rather than be chasing the pain. So it's it's a tricky thing. And I think as addicts in recovery, we need to make sure that like our doctors are aware and that the people who are close to us are aware so that we have like sort of those fail safes there. But that was, that was, I I was glad that that you talked about that with her.
0: It's funny. Like when I had my, uh, my foot issue Mm -hmm. and we don't know if that was tendonitis or gout. I
2: think it was tendonitis.
0: Let's hope so. Cause it sounds like the dopey fitness challenge has no room for gout in it. (laughs) But, um, I have never had organ meat since then. Mm-hmm. My shrimp consumption has been very much curtailed. <laughs> and I mean, like I haven't been eating red meat, right. butter, like, like I'm scared of all that shit, mm-hmm. but I was in a, t- I mean, like, I think it was pain and we think, I mean, it was somewhere where right. discomfort and pain kind of came together mm-hmm. and I didn't tell that doctor that I was a drug addict right. or of my incredibly successful and popular podcast (laughs) um but she still didn't fucking prescribe me anything
2: well i think there you know i mean for people who are in chronic and in pain like i think unfortunate part of like all of the fallout from like suing pharmaceutical companies and doctors and pharmacies is that there is a reluctance on healthcare providers to provide pain medicine when people are in pain and need pain medication and that pisses me off because I don't think anyone someone shouldn't be denied pain medication because I had an addiction or anybody else had an addiction but it's funny it probably also depends who you are certainly I think people of color are offered pain medication far less um, and it probably depends on the hospital you're in when I had Franklin I mean he was premature so he was in the ICU but I didn't have a complicated delivery when I say that they offered me like pain meds I, like every time they came into my room, it was unreal. It became like a joke between my husband and I because I was like, why are they – like?" I mean, yeah, like you're in discomfort, but I didn't have a C-section. I didn't need pain medication and they really were pushing it so hard. And then I thought, I wonder if they were pushing pain medication because I had a kid in the NICU and they thought like I was in distress. Do you know what I mean?
0: I don't know. Nobody pushed nearly enough pain medication on me. I'm serious. <laughs> like, like I would, my foot thing really hurt. Like I would, right. I could have gone for a little as prescribed. Did
2: you do ibuprofen? Yeah. And heat yeah. And ice yeah. And all that
0: but I could have used a little as prescribed right. fucking, morphine drip shit <laughs> you like, don't
2: need a morphine maybe drip just
0: a little a foot. little little intravenous morphine just in case <laughs> it was in a lot of i was in a lot of discomfort nobody's ever pushed meds on me
2: i feel like i have- actually it's not
0: true one time they pushed xanax on me and i accepted but anyway yeah wait.
2: i feel like i'm all i'm often offered pain medication and it's
0: They want you strung out. They want strung out (laughs) author Aaron Carr to be strung out. So
2: I might have to, I told you earlier, I think I might, I might be looking at another surgery and well, I guess I'll get a free lapse.
0: (laughs) Do you, I mean, do you, would, I mean, like I know you're laughing. Yeah. If it was me, Uh I would very much be looking forward to it.
2: I mean, I, what's when I had, so basically I have like, I may have to get the other half of my thyroid taken out is what the surgery is. So It's really painful the first couple of days afterwards. And even with on a morphine drip, you're not feeling great. You can't really talk. Um, And that sucks for somebody who's as chatty as I am. So no, I mean, I guess I'm, I like the feeling right before you go under in surgery. That's my favorite moment.
0: (laughs) When you dip the propofol dip.
2: Right before you're going to go out. I like that. Feeling, And you're not even you don't even really feel high. It's just kind of like like it's like nanoseconds of bliss. And then right, done, you're right. just gone.
0: The, the thing with me, like and I, I know I've said this on the show mm-hmm. probably several times. If there is a opiate free lapse or, or mm-hmm. as prescribed scenario, I can't imagine doing it without smoking cigarettes.
2: Oh, I mean, I, well, when you like, after my last thyroid surgery, I literally had a drain in my neck of blood. So So. like I was not craving a cigarette. No, no, no. And also I do think like when you're in, when you're in pain, like physical, physical, like severe pain after a surgery and you're on pain meds, you're just kind of out of it. And like, you don't, I didn't feel like, oh, this is, feels nice. I was just like, I was in pain and like that dulled the pain. So where
0: are we at in this sur- upcoming surgery? So I'm going
2: to have an ultrasound on the 11th of my remaining half of a thyroid. And to see if like, cause if I have it, like I have growths, little nodules on that, on that. And so it's kind of enlarged and to see how much they've grown in the year. Like I know I have to get it out at some point. It's a question of like, w- not if, but when, and my reluctance to get it out has just been because once I get it out, I, I'll have to be on Synthroid the rest of my life, which is fine. A lot of people are, but I've never actually had a thyroid dysfunction. I just have had the growths on my thyroid. So yeah, I mean, I guess I'll know after the 11th.
0: I told you that like when I, I went in for my thyroid thing Mm -hmm. that they were going to give me meds and I, I had just gotten sober. Mm -hmm. Like I had a, I had, I don't know. They were interested. Like my thyroid wasn't properly Mm -hmm. functioning. And, uh, and i turned down the meds and chris was in i told chris about it and he was like oh you should have taken the thyroid meds cuz you would have gotten so skinny without having to work out which is a funny thing like he said um, <laughs> are you worried should about I, should i be worried for about you about the surgery yes
2: i mean there's always a risk with surgery right there's always a risk but no i mean i think it's i mean it's the risk for this particular surgery there's like a less than 1% chance that they could damage my vocal cords during the surgery which is which is a case for getting the thyroid removed before the growths right. get too big because when they, the larger they get the more complicated the surgery is because there's less room in there cuz like one of the symptoms of having a growth on your thyroid like when i lie down at night i can feel like like i feel like i have trouble swallowing like there's pressure because there's not that much room in your throat So So now
0: I'm worried. No, 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 no. You see my face? Now I'm officially worried. Um, What else from uh, Mackenzie you got?
2: Um, So I liked the uh, Eddie Van Halen gambling story. And the thing that I wrote down is like, she said like it was fun because he gave her money to gamble. She didn't have money to gamble. And I used to love gambling, but I realized like, For fun, like I never had a gambling addiction. But the thing that I liked about it is I I only gambled like if I went to Las Vegas with my dad and he would give me money to gamble. I never gambled with my own. Gambling with your own money, like that's different. But I think I liked it when it was somebody else's money. The other thing, of course, that I loved that she mentioned was the episode, or I think you brought up the episode of 90210 that she was on. Yes. It was interesting to me that she said everybody was such a big diva because that's not what I've heard from people who worked on the show um but she did say nice things about Luke Perry which I have consistently heard across the board that he was a really lovely person always made people feel welcome and warm on set and was just people just across the board really have nice things to say about him and I'm so so sad that he died that was like of any sort of like I mean, you know, there's been a few celebrity deaths that like hit you, and that was obviously with my sort of long relationship with the show. Uh, that was a hard one.
0: I have to say, 902 and 0 is such a horrible show that like I can't watch it without benzos <laughs> or opiates. No. I can't. Oh, I can't.
2: I have it. It's for me, it's continu It continues to be like a show I can throw on in the background.
0: It's a good eating show. While I'm
2: doing something else, and like. I just think like it's fun it's like my it's my thing like i don't know
0: when's the last time you watched it this morning no like probably
2: like two weeks ago
0: which one did you watch
2: i watched it was um which episode was it It was senior year uh it was the backstory, which is the episode it's like they they're you know a couple weeks into being back in high school and this like tabloid television show comes on campus to like interview kids about like the truth behind like kids in beverly hills and you know steve gets upset because they did some trashy episode on his mom but then brenda like decides because she's like fame hungry wants to like go be on the show and she has like this secret like smoking thing because she picked up smoking when she was in paris and she's hiding the smoking and Kelly's still like, you know, she had that fling with Dylan over the summer. So there's that tension, but the real big crux of the show is that Brenda does these interviews for the show. And then they like twist. She betrayed, she she
0: betrayed the group.
2: So basically told all their secrets. So then like everybody watches on the news about like Kelly, the girl with the reputation and like, Oh yes. All that shit.
0: Now I have to say that, uh, I hated nine zero two one zero in high school. Like oh, I, loved I, I had like a girlfriend who loved it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is the worst." But uh, when I when, when Todd moved in to my apartment on Twenty Fourth mm-hmm. Street, he loved it. Yeah, and we and they would show
2: the reruns. They would
0: show, but they would show back to back from 10 to noon yeah and then they would show it again in the afternoon from three to five and we would watch them all yeah over and over again high late 90s shoot, early you know, 2000s doing dope <laughs> and like it was it was like quite a time and um
2: it was a good show to be high too
0: it was a great show for me 90210 and Futurama mm-hmm. like they're shows that like they're perfect if you're a little bit high for me. Right. So Dopey Nation, what's your take? What's a great show to watch when you're very high? Um,
2: but I can still watch it. Isn't well, that funny? Like does pro- you
0: got problems. I watch. <laughs> you do. I mean, I'm sorry. That's a problem. I, I, I watch, you know, these are the shows that I, yes. I I historically have watched The Sopranos over and over and yeah. over again um, through Dopey. Mm-hmm i don't know why but after michael imperioli came on the show you couldn't watch it anymore. i can't watch it i cannot watch it anymore um which that's, is depressing that's
2: sad but maybe
0: in like five years mm. i'll be able to again uh i'm watching the wire again
3: mm-hmm.
0: i'm ready to watch oz again mm-hmm. but what i'm really ready to watch again yeah which i've watched many times is mad men
2: Ooh, i want to re-watch mad men that was a that's a good show For my
0: I think Mad Men my, I mean it's not a particularly Dopey show No There's but, one There's well, one there's heroin a lot of Alcoholism act, Yeah a lot of alcoholism There's one junkie mm-hmm. There's the The acid yeah. Which oh, is great Yeah that's a episode <laughs> um, But like for my money I think it's my favorite show mm-hmm. I just love I just love the story Of Don Draper Yeah I love it Um, Let's do a email Okay You want to read it Sure Alright read it Okay We There's two choices The shorter We've got three choices okay. The shorter American one A little bit longer Scottish one, which starts here. Okay. Or a really long American one. Why don't you do the short American one first?
2: The one at the top. Yeah. Hi, Dopey. In 1989, I was arrested on a roller coaster for passing and possessing counterfeit $20 bills while wearing a Sid Vicious t-shirt. At the time, my dad was an FBI agent and my brother was an IRS agent. My best friend, B, was arrested with me. His dad was a high-ranking state official on the Oklahoma Department of Corrections. Due to another co-defendant's cooperation, this led to the largest counterfeit bust in Oklahoma history, over $3 million. Wow. We were let off with a slap on the wrist. Two years after that, B had a fed state local task force to successfully convict him in an interstate cocaine ecstasy distribution case. The feds caught him with a kilo of powder and 800 hits of ecstasy. They also had him on a bank robbery charge. He got 10 years. It could have been at least triple that. After getting out and trying to live right, he was arrested and convicted of murder on a 15 years old cold case on a body by someone that owed him money. Way back in 1985, his older brother was sentenced to 99 years while still in high school for a drug-related killing. My dopey resume, weed, acid, X-Coke, meth, needles, heroin, witness witchcraft, sweat lodge, worked at a Renaissance festival and have been a delivery boy.
0: Nice. Wow. That's hardcore. Do you want to read this crazy Scottish one too? All right.
2: Let's do it. Um, can I use their name? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'm don't Ro- use the last name. Okay. I'm Robbie from Scotland. I ad- adore, adore hearing from the Scottish bird that I can't mind. Name. Here, I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna read right. it. it's, it's <laughs> a, I, I can translate from <laughs> Scottish sure, Give me the second Oh
2: well, no! It's <laughs>
0: he says. Hmm. I'm Robbie from Scotland. <laughs> I adore hearing from the Scottish bird that I can't remember the name of Lowe's. Right, ah, right. That's right, the right. one. Okay. So it, anyway. I'm not <laughs> sure about this guy. Seems he's sorry. I for caught with the Fent. He's talking about Jack. Right. I don't know if he didn't get caught. Then he'd carry on killing lives with selling Fent. Like <laughs> me in Scotland. Uh, I'm going to stop with my bad Scottish accent. I sold research chemical, benzo, uh, but my moral compass said no, no. Even if I lost money... I listen, even if I lost money, I listened in bed to you every week, you and Chris, when I was sanctioned and put on benzodiazepines. I got caught with a bag of Xanax bars. I thought they searched you, but nope. I had them up. I had them up my, up my hole, no search. I had to dig them out because they was stuck and I'm bleeding from the asshole searching and I get them out and am wearing shorts, so put them in there. They fell out some asshole, shouts, nurse, nurse, thinking the bag was afkane. There was no coke because the Zanny bars was so crushed up my arsehole. And I said, I'm going to ram a bit of steel in you. And cops came, and I was out cold in my bed. They let me off, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and me and the guy kind of get, get on. He bought a bottle of vodka and stated... With me, <laughs> stayed with me. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so Diaz and clonazepam and Xanax addicted. What's Diaz?
2: Diaz? Yeah. Like D.
0: D I A mean, Z. Diaz. Diazapan, yeah. right? You know, my Spanish teacher's name was Mr. Diaz, but we never thought to call him Mr. Diaz. Diaz? No. I'm concerned that last dude was kind of like he only bothered because he got caught. Jack. Hardcore story, but dude, I love Dopey.
2: Wait, this guy is currently addicted to... Yes. Okay, which makes sense now. (laughs)
0: Like I say, I listen every week since 2020, usually on a Monday morn, when I diaz and clonazepam out my nut. (laughs) (laughs) You guy, and my (laughs) nut you guy, (laughs) and like Aaron Carr and Dopey Dresner. Oh. All the people... Have made it, and I love ya. I'm rambling, bro, but mad love goes out to you, bro. I need a voicemail to us one night. Jay, I hear your story and hope you ain't the kid who goes back to it after doing time. Loved honesty and am, yeah, am twat fucked. I'm 36 Scotland fucked up for years on benzos and snorting smack. Went to shop in my dress gown with my coffee, no shoes. You know, I've done a lot of mad, of mad. <laughs> Chuck a piece at me sometime. Jay, <laughs> hope you get the least sentence, dude. Dave, hit me up. I want a cool chat, please, bro. I'm losing it all. Love they dopey cunts. There's an English guy, can't mind his name, but sure, I skated with him at South Bank in London. Anyway, please keep going. Keep on keeping up. Ah, it's Justin from England, I think. It's <laughs> skating with you. Yeah, he's cool, man. Big love. One love. And Dave and your cool woman on all yous, you make me look forward to a thing every fucking week. I'd love to have peace, man. Shit, I've, I've done disgusting. <laughs> but it's got to be told, my parents sweep... <laughs> under carpet and buy me clonazepam and diazepam to keep me going mad love for them but dave dude i love every week for her hilarity connection and ultimately fucking hope and big love hope i get voicemail or a mention not because it cool just cause no other fucker listen to me x um that's robbie
2: hey robbie and he's
0: talking about justin england who got a dopey tattoo I think I mentioned I, I on the show. Saw, I think
2: I saw a picture somewhere. Yeah. He
0: got a dopey tattoo and another guy got a dopey tattoo. I have to find a way to give him credit. If you're the other guy who got the praying mantis with the dopey eyes tattoo, send it to me and I'll give you proper credit for your incredible dopey tattoo. I say yes to the dopey tattoo. Yes. Um... I don't. I say no to the dopey face tattoo, though. That's going no, too far.
2: No, too far. F- face tattoos in general. It's a special person that can pull off a. face tattoo. You know, it would be
0: awesome if somebody killed my cat and then got the dopey teardrop, teardrop. tattoo <laughs> on their
2: face for killing the cat. For killing my that was cat. Their kill.
0: Yes, I could live with that.
2: Peta would not
0: like that. No, Peta doesn't like any of this Mm-mm. stuff. Anyway, thank you, Aaron. This was a joy.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And, uh, you know, we say stay strong. Dopey. Oh, fucking subscribe to YouTube. Buy some merch. Fucking. Join
2: Patreon. Join
0: Patreon. Send
2: in Ask Aaron questions. Send in
0: Ask Aaron. Buy a candle. Send in Ask Aaron (laughs) candles. Fucking send in. The new thing is send in a video voicemail. That can live in new areas of Patreon and YouTube, and we can see you.
2: But no nudes.
0: Well, I mean, (laughs) let let your (laughs) conscience be your guide. And stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking Fucking toodles toodles for Chris. Chris.
4: I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess... I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad I want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by and I want to see the Lear jetliner, take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand Shadows getting smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good, so bad want to be good, so bad, so bad I want to be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had These suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. had. These suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.